You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? You know, being four months in, man, it's it definitely a journey. I mean, you were talking earlier about it. Like, it's, you know, it's life is still life. You yeah. know, life don't just dramatically get better, but we get better. And so just like how I took myself with me when I was down, now I'm taking myself with me while I'm still recovering and, you know, how I destroy people around me. Now it's the other effect. Now I'm uplifting the ones around me and they see the energy, they feel the energy and I'm putting good into the universe, you know, and I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing and talking to who I'm supposed to be talking to. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tapping into some Untapped Peg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health, where we spotlight stories that provide hope and love. I am one of your hosts, RJ Zimmerman, and I have the pleasure of being here with Alex Green. Alex is a former football running back, having last played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian Football League. He played college football at the University of Hawaii, played three seasons in the NFL after being drafted by the Green Bay Packers in 2011. How are you doing this morning, Alex? Actually, I'm I guess great, it's afternoon. Man. <laughs> great, man. Pleasure to be on, man. Much respect. Much respect. It's always good to get on here and uh, share the story and hopefully touch some lives, change some lives, and uh, you know, be that voice of, uh, of impact to the people that you know struggle, man. Oh, uh, the ones that sick and suffering, you know, there is help out there. We're here to deliver the message. I, you know, you and I were talking before the show started. It's it is so important just to tell your story, get it out there to as many people as possible because you don't know who it will help. Everybody feels like at some point they're alone, right? At least I think that everybody does because I do, and. um yeah, I love that you're you're so open and willing to share your story. So, <clears throat> before we get into it, let's hear a message from our friends at Sober Athletic Wear. Alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, shopping, pornography, gaming, and even social media are self-medicating tools we use to escape life's traumas, depression, and anxieties. Sober Athletic Wear's mission is to destigmatize addiction, mental health, and the negative stigma surrounding the word sober. If you have a heart for people dealing with mental health and addiction, show your support by repping the sober brand. Visit SoberAthleticWear.com to browse soberware and also watch a clip from our Untapped Keg podcast featuring Troy Colmer, founder of Sober Athletic Wear, as he shares his story of addiction and why he started sober. Remember, we are all getting sober from something. All right, back to the show. So, Alex, with all of that being said, right, and we kind of teed it up, you know, everybody has their journey and their story, and every journey has a beginning. So where does the Alex Green story start? So... You're right, man. Every every story 
as the beginning. Mine started uh mine started as a kid when uh you know just wasn't being the biggest kid in school. You know, not the fastest in, in track. Uh when I was a chunkier kid, I was little, you know, I had a real bad stutter. Um wasn't dressed the nicest, you know, my swag wasn't really on point. I wasn't developing to my body yet, you know, so I had a lot of insecurities, man, coming up and got teased in school. And uh, it didn't take until high school where I felt confident in who I was and started to develop. You know, my body started growing and started excelling more in sports and doing a little better in school. And so I think from that point, I never really dealt with those issues from before. I just kind of ignored them mm-hmm. from childhood and just rode with, rode the wave of just becoming into this new, you know, becoming quote unquote popular and getting more attention and having more girlfriends and hanging with the cool kids, you know, and whatnot. And <laughs> I kind of, I kind of just thrived in that, you know. I wanted to always be like that, you know. I wanted to be cool and, and feel confident in myself and you know, like who I was. And so it took a while to get there. But uh, I think that's where the underlying issues, and I'm still early on four months, I'm still working the step work, I'm on step four. I just finished my childhood and I have to answer some difficult questions. You know, now I'm in my adolescence where it's getting to the nitty gritty, where it's like, okay, now when I was aware of these things, how did I deal with them? You know, how did it affect me and whatnot? So that's what I'm on now. But as I'm going through it, I'm learning that a lot of issues that I had as an adult stem from the childhood trauma that I had and just, you know, being teased and teachers saying I'm not smart enough or being put in different classes, you know, and how it affected me throughout my life. There's a lot of feelings that got me to the point where I was using so much that I wanted to avoid all those feelings that I had, you know, all those emotions, all those insecurities and doubts in myself. I wanted to avoid them completely. So I was drinking use. So that's where it started. Um, I'm going to take you to 2008. My junior college in California. Um, finished high school, barely graduated. I'm in 2008. Man, Butte Junior College in California. Uh, it's like my first time away from home. You know, uh, really, really on my own and, and trying to live life and be an adult. I'm still a kid, and you know, relying on your parents for support with money and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But still doing things on my own and making, trying to make good choices and take your responsibilities. Know, going to class, going to practice, make sure you eat, make sure you're washing your butt, you know, keeping your house clean, you know, <laughs> things like that. You know, staying out the streets, you know, now you got freedom. So now it's like, okay, I can actually be out as late as I want. Nobody got to tell me I got to go home. I'm in my own apartment now. So just going through that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I took that as freedom. I took that as like freedom to do all the bad things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do, you know especially drinking. I could drink all the time if I wanted to, and I did. Every weekend, we'd get drunk. So during the weekdays, we kept it cool because we had practice and whatnot and games on Saturday. But after the games, on Saturday and Sunday, you know, we were drinking until we camp, you know. And just being a college kid, you know, straight out of, straight straight from home and, you know, having this newfound life. So I think that's where the drinking part of it started. You know, I drank a little bit of high school here and there. I remember a guy gave me a bottle, a Gatorade bottle of liquor in it. My junior high school. And, uh, you know, I loved it. I loved the feeling it gave me. You know, I didn't have the anxiety no more. I was sitting in class and I didn't care about not sounding smart you know, or answering my questions. Like, I didn't care about 
get him turned down by a girl that I really like. I'm going to approach him. You know, it didn't matter. So I like that confidence he gave me. They call it false, false confidence. And I love that feeling. So, oh, um, I was drinking all throughout junior college, you know, a lot, you know, smoking weed a little bit, you know, weekends here and there. You know, it, it didn't really come when I got drunk. But um, that carried on. You no, know, still, but I was still excelling on the field. You know, I was still taking care of my classwork. I was still doing good in the football. You know, I was still handling my business, and I was still on my mission to, to go to university on a scholarship. My junior college, so I was still on track to reach my goals while I was doing the drugs and the alcohol. So it wasn't a problem for me, you know. It wasn't. There was no bad thing that was wrong with it. It was just okay. This is just something that I do on the weekends, but I handle my business on the weekdays, so everything is fine. You no, know, life is good. This is what I can do. So um, I get blessed to get a scholarship to University of Hawaii with the help of a good friend, Demetrius Davis, who I work, who I grew up with in uh, Portland, and. Um, you know, again, it was the same thing. You know, I'm still handling my business, still going to practice, still going to school. I'm on scholarship now, so you know, life is good. I'm eating a lot better, you know, living a lot better. You know, the stress is off. Now all I got to do is focus on school and football. I don't got to focus on where I'm living. I don't got to focus on what I'm going to eat that day, you know. And weekends are coming, you know, again, you know, drinking, you know, smoke a little bit, you know, and I was just doing those things, you know, every weekend. You know, mm-hmm. we had a longer break throughout the week. We traveled a lot, being in Hawaii. So we had two weeks sometimes where we wouldn't even uh, be on the island. We'd be in the mainland for a two-week game. Um, so, you know, if you don't have practice that day or a couple of days off, you know, I would get, we'll get something to drink. I'll find it somehow. You know, I asked a buddy who was 21 on the team, and, you know, he brings some liquor to me, or I'll get some weed from somebody in the town that we're in. You know, it wasn't hard to find it, you know. And uh, how they say, you always bring yourself with you. I bring myself every road game, you know, even back then. But again, it's not a problem. This is just what I do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to ball on the weekday. I'm going to go to school on the weekday. I'm going to ball on the field on Saturdays. You know, some, you know on Saturday nights, you know, I'm going to turn them up. You know, we're going to have a good time and go enjoy ourselves and get as drunk as I can or as high as I can. And Sunday, I'm going to recover, you know, go get in the hot tub, steam room, and Monday, all over. Man. So life is still manageable at this point. That go on for uh, two seasons, two years. Um, my best friend got killed February 28th, 2010. And that was my first time experiencing death that was that I felt that was next to me. I feel like I died. It was that close. And uh, so on that, on that day, February 28th, 2010, that's when the alcohol and the smoking turned up another level. Um, it went from weekends to any time, <clears throat> any time I felt the pain of losing my best friend, you know, and uh, it didn't hit me until, honestly, to about like a month ago, doing my step work that I realized like, man, okay, that's that was a big part of the increase in my drinking and drugging was my best friend being killed, but I didn't realize that even, you know, over 10 years ago. I didn't realize it. So, oh, I just continued to, to into my felt the pain, you know, losing them that I would count. No, it didn't, it didn't matter if I had practice the next day. It didn't matter if I had, you know, a game. I just, I just wanted to not feel that feeling no more of losing somebody that was close. And so it picked up, but again, 
my life is still manageable because I'm still excelling on the field. And I'm going to use that pain on the field to, like, man, I'm about to go hard as I can because I know he'd be proud of me if I do. I know that's what he wanted. So I would use that to my motivation also. Ignoring the fact that it was still killing me that I was, you know, drinking so much and smoking so much because of the pain. So it was like a gift and a curse in a sense. As far as my as far as my body go, mental and um, but that went on for about two years until I get drafted to the Green Bay Packers. Um, I go up there and now I have money in my pocket and a lot of time. In college, you know, we got practice because being in Hawaii, they want to practice um two or three hours before whatever team we're gonna play against on the mainland, so that we our body type get used to it when we go over there. So every practice was at five in the morning. So we're up at four, you know, walking down to the field, you know, four fifteen, you're on the field by four forty-five. So um so we we so you know, basically I was just so used to being on structured schedule that only my time to drink was the weekends. Now I get to the NFL, you know, we have just you know, we from practice seven in the morning, get stayed on seven in the morning, we get done about two, three o'clock during the season. Now during tournament camp it's a lot longer, of course, but when we during the season, we done about two o'clock, three o'clock. And I wasn't one of those guys who gonna spend a ton of time in the treatment room or a ton of time um watching film with the coaches mm-hmm. as I should have been. Then I get injured. I turn my ACL rookie years. Now I have a lot of time and no responsibilities, and we still getting paid. So now I have money in my pocket and I have extra time. I'm talking about from, you know, 8 in the morning, I'm going to get treatment. I'm out of there by 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I have that whole day to do nothing until the next day. You know, with no, I don't, I don't got to watch film because I'm not playing. You know, so I don't got to get much treatment. I'm, I'm covering my ACL. So I would literally, man, every day, at the treatment about 12 o'clock, I would go straight from treatment to the liquor store and get a bottle of Patron every day. And it was every day because I was drinking a gallon, I was drinking a bottle every day. You know, and I would go home, I would play video games, I would talk on the phone, I would just relax, I would smoke. And by the time I go to bed about 10, 11 o'clock, that bottle was already gone. Either I'm passed out or I'm just, you know, crazy conversations on the phone or walking around somewhere or driving somewhere to the store just for entertainment, you know. While I'm recovering the ACL. So that's when it picked up more. And, you know, it didn't hit me again. Like, okay, I was dealing with the stress of not being able to play. And that's my first time I had to manage not playing the game that I love for the first time. I've never been injured before, mm-hmm. especially that long. I always had minor injuries, but I always played, always in the game. I only missed like one game in college, if that, like a half a game. So this is my first time dealing with, okay, a real disconnect from the from my, my therapy. This is my therapy. This is what I love to do. This is what I know how to do at a high level. This is all I know how to do since seven years old. This is my life. And it stopped. And I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have enough hobbies to pick up. No, I didn't really have nobody to call that can understand because all the guys who I was connected with were still playing. So they were focusing on the playbook and they were still traveling and doing the thing on the field. So the drink get picked up constantly, man. And, uh, you know, I shut it down. As my recovery got closer, to, um, my ACL recovery got closer to the play. I ended up playing my sophomore season. I ended up starting six six games, and um, you know it went back to the weekends. You know, the night got responsibilities to play again, and so my drink went back to the weekends. And you know, life was life, so 
that outside stress happening and when that newfound life, you know, the people coming at you and you don't know how to handle it. And, you know, you got extra cousins now and you got friends who want to hang around you and people kind of got their hand out and people want things or they want you to be on this and be on that. And, oh, can you come by and sign this? And can you come sign that? You know, I didn't know how to handle it, you know? So weekends, man, with my time to kind of release all of it, there's a drink, you know, especially if I wasn't doing good on the field. Then you hop on social media and you're hearing all the back talk, you know, all the lash. It's like, man, you know, how you deal with it? Even when you're doing good, you feel good. And so I'm going to drink. Any excuse that I can find to drink, I would. Whether it was great, oh, I had a great game, I had a great week practice, I'm going to have one. Oh, man, I had a great game, a bad, or a bad, a bad game, a bad week of practice, I'm going to have, you know, or two or three. Oh, Maybe yeah. Was, no matter what the result was, mm-hmm. you know. And so... That was a weekend thing, and um, they sent me to the New York Jets. I go to the Jets, 2013, and uh, at this point, I'm just kind of done with the game. You know, I'm not playing how it should be. My knee's going up at every practice. I'm not the same running back that I know I can be, so that's discouraging. They sent me to the Jets. Now I'm going to a losing team. You know, no offense to Geno, but I go from Aaron Rodgers. To Geno Smith, it's not the same, you know, yeah. you know, Rex Ryan and McCarthy, you know, it's just night and day. It's a whole different world. You know, and Green Bay is a tight-knit family-ran organization and community. In New York, that's the real NFL. It's the market. You know, the media don't care. You know, they, they're there to get paid. So mm-hmm. they're going to say what they want. They're going to say how they want to, good or bad. You know, they're going to get a story out and – they don't care if it hurts your feelings. They don't care if it affects your family. You know, this is the market. This is the business. This is how things are run up here in New York. And I had to adapt to that. So I go up there, man, and it's just, it's just a different vibe and, and, and adjusting to that lifestyle and being more in the business part of, of the NFL was just in itself was stressful, man. I couldn't really deal with it. So but in the training camp, I didn't even love the game though. Talking about a game that I played since seven years old, man. That I would go outside in the middle of the day, put on a, 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 a Halloween uniform football pants, go out in the grass in the front yard, fall down, get grass stained, rub the grass in my pants, go inside, oh, yeah. look my, my football player. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, like really loved it. You know, mm-hmm. like slapping my brand new cleats. Like I was sick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like slapping the football. Like, you know, one of those kids. You know what I mean? So, and here I am living my dream, and I hated going to practice. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting paid to do something I love. Like, I'm here now. I finally made it, bro, and I hated it. I hated waking up and I got to go to practice. Bro. You know, and so uh, the thing I picked up, man, I wasn't into the game. Uh you know, I would go to practice, and you know, I would drop a pass, you know, and just go back to the huddle. Like, I wouldn't even see where the ball went. You know, okay, I wouldn't even go pick it up and go finish the rep. I would just, like, I don't even care. You know, like, I didn't want to play. I didn't want to hear Rex talk in meetings. You know, I didn't want to talk to the players. Like, I just was. I just didn't want to be there. And that, that, that depressed me because I couldn't figure out why I didn't want to be there. You know, like, how come I, like, why do I hate going to this place that I love so much? I couldn't tell nobody that because they're going to tell me, well, like, what you mean, bro? You can leave. You can pay all this money. I'm going to a BS job. Getting paid, you know, two cents an hour. You know right. what I'm saying? You can pay this and this to do what you love to play a kid's game. I, so I couldn't really relate to nobody. So I had to fake like I still love it. 
you know, I had to pretend like I loved it. Oh, yeah, I'm going, you know, but I wasn't in it, man. And so that went on for a year. I played out uh, 2013 year. I came back 2014 and bring in uh, Chris Johnson, Michael Vick, every, you know, some legends. You know, guys who I looked up to growing up. And uh, I knew I was gone. You know, 2014, I had Chris Ivey, Blah Powell, Chris Johnson, I had practice squad guy, Daryl Richardson, who was a beast. You know, and I just wasn't in it. And I was losing weight. I wasn't working that hard in the offseason. I didn't care. I was drinking. I was smoking. You know, and uh, just real depressed. You know, these anxiety pills, you know, and I was seeing doctors like three times a week. Man, I, I, I just couldn't figure out why. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't figure out why. So I was on these pills. I was numb all day. And so I just, I just kept on with that lifestyle, man, until it ran me into being released. So I get released in 2014, and now I'm done. You know, now I'm done. So I'm, you know, I'm drinking every day. You know, I'm going to get some liquor every day. You know, I'm smoking every day. I'm calling a weed man. I'm getting big packs of weed. You know, I'm getting three, four bottles of liquor at a time. I know it's going. To, one of them going to be gone by the time I get to the house. The other one going to be gone two hours into being in the house. It's going to be more. So I'm going to get four now so that I don't need it later. You know, addict mindset. You know, addict yeah. mindset. So, oh yeah so, i'm gonna get four yeah. now so i don't need it later oh wait all no, four are gone dang it yep exactly now four i'm gone yeah uh, I'm gonna need, next time i get six <laughs> right <know>? yep <laughs> so um so that was my life man from 2014 when i got done playing because that was officially done and so now i can do what i want i don't have to be healthy no you know, i was tired of being healthy i was tired of not being able to drink how i want so i was tired of you know living that lifestyle, waking up, having to go here and work out, eat healthy and, and go back, you know, and go back for treatment and go see the doctor. I was tired of that. I was happy to be free. You know, I had that freedom again. And it always took me with me. Every single time, I, every city I've been to, I took myself with me. And that was fresh kid. You know what I mean? Inside that I couldn't figure out why. And so once I got done, I ended up making my way to uh went to LA to go train to get back into the league, you know, and deep down inside, I knew I wasn't going to get back one because I was out of shape, wasn't working out, but I still had like the dream. I still loved it. I still kind of loved it, but at this point now I don't like, it, you know, but okay, not kind of, I still love it, but I don't like, it. I try to kind of bargain with myself of the game that I love. You know, yep. to fight myself. But the problem was that I didn't want to stop drinking. I didn't want to stop smoking. I knew if I had to get back into shape and get back into the league at a high level, I had to sacrifice again and put these things to the side. I didn't want to. I couldn't get because I know how to deal with what I was going So I'm trying to be normal. You know, I'm trying to live. Quote, unquote, normal, right? Yeah, quote, unquote, normal, which nobody is normal. Yeah. I'm trying to live normal while still trying to uphold this this society standard of that, okay, I'm an NFL player and I got to be at this place. I got to do this. I got to drive this car, live this way. I have this family oriented set up on Christmas. I got to have a family with. We all gotta wear matching uh Christmas, you know, pajamas and you know what I'm saying? I gotta I gotta oh, play yeah. the part. And so and I couldn't fulfill that. That that wasn't how my life was. Um, mm-hmm. My life was gonna spent on, on liquor and drugs. But I can't say that. You know, so I gotta live with two lives. I'm living two lives. I'm living with addict life that I didn't want to admit, and I'm living a life that I think that everybody wanted me to be. And so that went on, I was in LA, that went on, I was gonna work out, I was going every day, and I started going 
four days. Then I started going, oh, I just go these two days a week, you know, and I take a little break. I'm working out hard, I need my little mental break. Then I just stopped going. I just eventually stopped going to the point where I would wake up and walk to the liquor store, give me a bottle. We're talking about eight o'clock in the morning. I would just love being outside. The sun is shining in LA. The birds are chirping. You know, we smell the smog in the air. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, but I just like that. Be able to walk around and do what I want. You mm-hmm. know, like, we know where no responsibilities. Nobody can tell me nothing. Like, I can be drunk as I want. I ain't got to feel nothing. I'm chilling all day. I can go eat some bull crap. It's all good, you know. That went on for a while, man. And then it started hitting me. Okay, you need to go back home. Now I'm here working out. That was my excuse to not be around my kids, right? So it's not working out no more. Make your way back home to Portland where your babies is at, right? So after about six months to a year, you know, it was like, okay, like, what's the truth? Well, the truth is that I came to LA to avoid going home because I knew that I was an addict, alcoholic, so I didn't want to go home to the kids. Yeah. And that's my responsibility. I want to live this free life, but I'm not playing no more, so that wasn't my excuse, <laughs> you know? I have to be honest with myself. So I made my way back home to Portland. Uh, at this point, I had two kids uh, with one on the way. I said my third baby on the way, little Alex. And uh, okay, I was trying to figure it out. Okay, let me get my life back together. You know, settle down, get my girlfriend, little Alex's mom. You know, okay, everything is looking. It looks good. Everything looks good. Okay, boom, I'm good. Then I must be good because it looks good. Right. I got my personal training job. You know, I got my family. I'm back home. I got the nice car I want. I'm living in a nice place, nice area. Okay, cool. This is Alex Green's life after football. This is it. Because it looks good. It fits the mold of the standard I was supposed to look to the outside. So inside, man, I was waking up before I go train people, man. I was getting a little shot, little airplane shot glasses, mm-hmm. shot bottles. Man, I'm gonna go get those from the store and maybe throw about five of them back with my work uniform on, about to go train a group of people, you know, drink five of those, and then I'll go train. Then I'll go coach. You know what I mean? Then I'll go teach, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, smoking weed, uh, you know, just drunk as hell, you know, trying to be a, a, a leader in the community, trying to be a robot. You know, telling the kids, don't drink and do drugs. Don't go stay in school. You know, and I'm just sitting here drunk as hell. I can't wait to get to the car to go get this next one. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait, you know. But I can post on social media. Oh yeah, it looks good. Everything's good. My family, everything is fine. But I was nursing born side. I couldn't figure it out. So that kept going on for a while until eventually, uh, at the time my brother she got, you know, we just it just didn't work out. So now I got three kids, you know, single man. And I'm stressed out. Now I got more free time, afford more responsibilities. So I figured out drinking more. You know, at this point now I picked up the cocaine. This is when I got into cocaine, and that gave me the energy and the confidence that I needed to go be who I wanted to be. You know, I wanted yeah. to be somebody great. Okay, the coke is going to do that for me. The coke is going to make me this great man that I want to be. You know, mm-hmm. that's my messed up thinking. And so I picked that up, started getting more energy, and started feeling good. I wake up one day, I'm in Portland. I wake up one day, and uh, I call my agent. I'm like, hey, man, call every team in the CFL. At this point, in 2006, uh, 2017. Call my agents, hey, man, call every team in the CFL. Let's just see what happens. You know, I'm hungover. He calls. Nobody reached out, but it's one team, the Hamilton Tiger Cat. They reached out. I said, okay, well, just send some tape and see. At this point, it's been, you know, about two years since I played or even worked out. 
you know, so they have no tape on me. I haven't been posting up to me working out and I'm training people. That's cool. I'm not like interested in playing on me. So they reached out to my center some tape and uh, they ended up sending a little uh, review back and said, okay, we'll take them out for a tryout, bring them out for a tryout. I'm just like, I'm just grateful I have an opportunity to go tryout. I'm 235 pounds, I'm out of shape, got a big pop belly, I ain't been working out at all. I go up there and do good, uh, bring back for a camp. You know, that, and then uh, the camp didn't work out, you know, because of the ratio or whatever. But that, I ended up getting released and going back home. Now I'm officially done. It's a 2017. I'm officially done now. I tried the NFL. It didn't work. Then the CFL, I got released. Now I'm done. done. That was the only team that gave me a shot. So now I'm completely done with the game. Back drinking. Now I'm picking up the coat. Now I'm with the coat again. I get my confidence back to be this great guy I want to be. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I pick the coat back up. I picked it up. And, I, and heavy, you know, I picked a lot of it up. And uh, I needed a lot of confidence in my mind. I needed a lot of help, you know. So this is going to give me this little motivation I need to be this great guy that I want to be. You know? So I picked it up, you know, and I was on I was, I was, was on that, man, just not literally doing nothing for about five months until I get a phone call from Hamilton saying, hey, it's a Thursday. Hey, we're gonna, we want you back up here. Now, we're going to sign for the rest of the season and put you on practice squad. We're going to fly out on Monday. Like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to fly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Working out. Yeah, everything's great. Take an opportunity. And, you know, click. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I went straight to the park and went to go run. <laughs> you know, drinking gallons of water every day and trying to, you know, trying to make my way and, and trying to lose 30 pounds in two days, you know, and get in the best shape of my life in two days. So I don't go there. They see had this big old pop belly, I ain't been working out, and well, not to mention I'm on drugs and alcohol, you know. And so I get up there, man, you know, I'm eating salads every day and trying to lose weight. And I'm on practice for two weeks. I ended up, uh, I ended up, I ended up starting this, uh, this one game because the running back got hurt. And so I found out on uh, Thursday that I was starting. The game was on Saturday. So, hey, you're traveling tomorrow on this, on this, on this trip. Just hope you know. And I'm like, I'm going to practice like, no, I didn't know, you know, but okay, let's go, whatever. I ended up going to the game and doing great. I had like 10 carries, 140 yards, did great. I come back and they say, hey, you just traded to start a running back. You're the starting running back now. You face. Okay, just like that. Everything is great, right? Now yeah. it looks good and it feels good. Now I'm back doing what I love, you know, and now I got a new mentality. I know what not to do. I know what to do, you know, and I can live out my dream. I'm playing again. I'm older now. I'm 29, but I still took me with me. So now I'm doing coke before games. Now I'm drinking before games. And I don't care, you know, because it's giving me the boost that I need. It's giving me the energy, you know. So I'm going, I'm waking up, man. The game might be at 6 at night. I'm waking up, you know, I might stretch a little bit, relax, eat some food, you know, by 3 o'clock. I'm going to head to the stadium. I'm going to do some coke. I'm going to get myself together, get some energy in me. I might take a little shot, you know, get my get my nerves out and go to the stadium. I get to the stadium. You know, I'm in the, the stalls, in the bag. You know, we come out, do our prayer. You know, okay, after the prayer, we're going to walk out to the field. Hold on, I'll be there in a second. You know, right, right back to the back, we're going to a little bump. You know, now I'm going to get turned up. You know, I'm going to have a great first half. At the halftime, go to halftime, get another bump. You know, after the game, you know, I had a great game, you know, 120 yards and six carries, whatever, you know, balled out. I'm walking, I'm going back home. Man, we partying tonight. You're having a good time tonight. You know, you know, so 
in my mind, everything is great. But now I'm doing get a field. I can do drugs I want. You know, the CFL is different than the NFL business-wise. You know, football is still football. There's great players here, but it's not the same. You know, so if you're losing a game in the CFL, you don't got to worry about your job being took. You don't got to worry about getting cut, released. You know, it don't really matter. The coaches not on edge. The NFL is not like that. You know, even if you win, you still can get cut and fired. Yeah. You know, it's just different, you know, different type of tension. And so I was relaxed. So I didn't, I didn't really, and if I had a bad game, I wasn't really stressed out. So to me, life is good. Man. I'm playing a game I love, you know, I'm making some money again, you know, I'm in Canada so I can, I'm in a new country, you know, I'm living a newfound life and I'm playing this game on my terms and I don't got to worry about all the extra stuff and, you know, and I can do my drugs and my alcohol so I can still avoid my problems. I can still run from even though I'm doing well, there still was problems, you know. And, I, and the, the problem was that I thought the problem would stop once I got to this level. Once I become this great man that I wanted to be, right. which I thought I was being, but I'm still on these drugs. So something's still not right. That going for about two years, man. Uh, you know, I ended up finishing the season 2018. Uh, they re-signed me and they ended up releasing me because the coach back from going to the XFL. I was supposed to go with them, but they ended up not having the XFL. And so I was kind of at home, just kind of floating around trying to figure it out. And of course, you know, again, and now here I am stuck with free time. And, uh, you know, for the outside, I'm the man. You know, I just had a great two years in Canada and I re-signed. And, man, you know, and I, I felt good on that part of it because now okay, I can live on my terms. You know, it was cool. And I, I, I know I could be this great player. So I, I, I did that and I felt good. But there was still something that wasn't satisfying me yet. I keep coming back. To this bottle, you know what I'm saying. I keep coming back to these drugs. Yeah, man, I got my kids now. You know, okay, that was your biggest problem. And I was crying now. I can't see my babies. No, Harlem King and Jordan, that's my baby. I was, I couldn't see. Them. Okay, well, you got them now. I'm still on drugs, and I go, well, you know, because I, ain't, you know, well, because football didn't work out how I wanted to. Well, now it did. You had a great two years. <laughs> you know, everything was fine. I'm gonna broke a record. You know. So that's not the problem no more. You know, oh, well, man, the songs ain't looking right. And, man, I got to, if I just had this, okay, well, now you got it. Now you made some money up there. Now you back on your feet. Now you got all these opportunities. So that ain't the problem. So what is it? You know, I couldn't figure out why, you know. And so I would use every, I would point at everything else. Oh, well, because you're not doing this. You know, mm-hmm. oh, it's because you're not doing that. Well, I didn't get this. So, you know, man, you making me drink. You know, arguing with my ex, but you making me drink. You know, why you got an attitude? It's not that attitude. I got the attitude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah. trying to find a reason to go drink. You know, any small reason, good or bad. Absolutely. You know, all the pleasures, all the trouble I just want to get Lakers. I just get drunk. You know, <laughs> it's a holiday. It's a birthday. You know, I woke up on this Tuesday. Let's get drunk. You know, the sun's out. You know, that at bird church. Right. Let's get drunk. <laughs> any reason, man, you know. Oh, yeah. Drink. And so that went on, man, for two years. After I played, right? So now we're in like 2020. And now I'm on coke. You know, I'm on coke. And uh, trying to figure it out. Uh, do some coaching this here and there. Uh, didn't really work out. I pick up this construction job. I'm doing construction jobs. Now I can be the cold. I can be outside all day. I can be around. You know, not really like an outsider. You know, as far as like that, because there's a lot of recovering addicts or current addicts that's in construction. So I'm not really looking 
Like, it doesn't look like I'm that bad, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, that go on, man, and, and, and I hit a point to where uh, where I was like, okay, I got to stop doing this. You know, let me get back to my stuff. So I would go, like, three days. I'm like, yeah, I'm three days. Like, I'll, be, I'll be happy. I made three days without that. That's how bad it got. Three days was a huge accomplishment. No, I'm sitting here four months now, and I'm still like, man, I need to get like, man, that's not you. It's a lot. I'm proud of it, but man, you know, he got eight, eight years. You know, he even got two years. There's one guy went to uh, therapy where he got 35. And I was 35, and man, I used to celebrate three days, 72 hours. I was, I would celebrate by using, by doing some coke, you know, by drinking liquor. Yeah. You know, by smoking that's how I would celebrate. It got to a point where I was celebrating a week, and I'm like, yo, I made it a whole week. I went this whole week without doing nothing. No, let's get drunk tonight. You know, mm-hmm. let's do it. I'm, I'm going week again doing it. So that's when I knew, okay, I might have got a problem, but I was, but I wasn't ready to admit it fully yet. I wasn't really ready to fully surrender yet. And so, uh, I so in about 2021, I'm coming close to my rock bottom. Okay, and it started in like March of 2021. And I'm working and now, you know, I'm missing a couple of days here, I'm missing some days there. You know, I'm making excuses. I would call in the morning, you know, hey, uh, I didn't get somebody from the airport. I, I completely forgot. You know, I can't go to work today. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, okay. You know, just dumb, just dumb excuses. Yep. I stopped talking to the kids. I stopped talking to my mom. I stopped coming around. When I would come around, I would park at one corner so that they wouldn't see how I was living, you know, in my car and whatnot, and had a lot of, a lot, a lot of clothes and just junk in my car because I was too busy to clean it out. But really, I was just trying to get high after work, you know. And so I got too drunk and high until I couldn't clean it because that's not just not what I want to do no more. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to, you know, if I pass out, I'm going to do something crazy. You know, I'm just hanging out all night, so. Once it got to, so the summer goes by, oh, you know, go through relationship issue, not talking to the kids, you know, going through all these, basically, you know, hurting all these people around me. But they say when you when you're in it, you know, when you hurt, you hurt the ones around you. That's exactly what happened. I destroyed all the people and things that were around me. You know, I had a, I had a great history of building things up at a high level. And tearing them all down slowly, one by one. That's exactly what I did, you know. And this time, when I did it, I I didn't. I knew I was doing it. I just didn't care that I was doing it. You know, I didn't care that I would hurt somebody. I would cut somebody out. It didn't matter. I'm trying to deal with it. Well, I was already drunk. So, in my right bottom, and I'm sitting in my car, and. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, I got a big bottle of liquor in my hand. I got, a, I got some weed with me and I got some coke with me. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I went from third round, 96 pick, Green Bay Packers, reigning Super Bowl champions, you know, living my childhood dreams, seven years old, to in my car, McDonald's and Burger King rappers on the floor. You know, old construction clothes in the back, quarter tank of gas, you know, 
And I didn't care if I made it out that night or not. I just knew I was going to drink all that liquor, all that coke, and smoke all this weed I had until I kept. Either I pass out or until I go see God. It didn't, to me, it didn't matter. I didn't care, you know. And uh, I called my program manager from the league, you know. Actually, I texted her. I texted her first, and I said, uh, I said, I need help. Because this is me, again, making excuses, saying, oh, well, I asked for help. So, you know, did nobody reach out to me? But this whole time for seven years since I've been in the league, I thought this was an office phone. I didn't know it was her cell phone. I don't know if she changed it over time, because I can swear to this day that it's an office phone. You know? <laughs> yeah. I you that. So I don't know what type of thing my high power did or what got, got going on, but I could have sworn this was an office phone, but I texted. I said, I need help with green and all. And she called back. She called me and she said, hey, uh, I got your message. Give me a call when you can. I'm make sure you're okay. And I'm like, damn, it's a real, it's a real phone. It was a, you know, so I, I called back and like, oh, hey, I got your message. And I was like, yo, I need help. You know, it's like, what's going on? I need help. You know, I'm sitting there with this bottle right here, I'm sitting here with this coke and this weed, and I, I can't do it no more. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm going. You know, and I'm forgetting where I've been. And um, she, uh, she was like, you know, I should sat on the phone with me, man, for an hour and a half. I, I, I fainted, I cried, I sobbed, man. I, 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 I was like surrendered in a sense to her, man. And, and, you know, she had her baby in the background crying. And, you know, she sat on the phone with me and it was late. You know, it was late. She was, she was three hours ahead of me. You know, I was on the West Coast. She was on, on the East Coast. So it was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock where I was at. You know, it was late over there. She still sat on the phone with me, man, and, and heard me out. And she said, hey, look, you know, as I was doing the drugs and drinking, you know, she was like, hey, look, I'm going to send you to Jacksonville, Florida. You know, to get you some help. You know, just get to the airport. And I'm like, why well, I get my hair cut and my beard is going out and I got to get my clothes. And she's like, for what? You know, like, I'm making excuses, you know. Yeah. I guess something got to be Anything. wrong so I don't go. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know, get your hair cut for what? You're going to treat me. You're not going to a club. You're not going to do no interviews or nothing. You're going to get help. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I ain't got no clothes. And I'm saying, you need clothes for You know, like, you're good. Like, you just go to the facility, you know? And so it took me like a day to really, like, okay, I'm going to go. You know, like, can I have my phone still? No, your phone got to be, you don't get your phone up when you get there. I can't have my phone for 45 days. I'm going to do that. You know, that's my addiction too. It's the phone. Yeah. And so, you know, like that was hard, probably the hardest part. But uh, you know, so so I did that, man. I went, I went, I went to uh to Jacksonville, Florida, November tenth, in uh 2021 or 22, and uh or 21, and uh I I you know just gave it up. No, I just gave it up, man, and uh. Went there 45 days and I spent 10 days in, in like a room where they knock on your door and bring you the food because you got a quarantine and detox and all that good stuff. And so the other 35 days, man, I was just getting help. I was seeing my therapist, Juan, which is a hell of a dude. You know, I was, I was in fellowship with other people, other NFL alumni that was in there. There was like pilots and, and sailors, and doctors and lawyers, you know, and all these different people who walks of life, man, that I was fellowship with and shared the same struggle. And, 
know, and just, you know, we'll go to meetings all day, you know, then we hit an AA meeting or a CA meeting at night, man, and we just chop it up and take notes, write stuff down and go through our word of the days and our goals for that day and our action and we'll talk, talk to the babies, you know, my 20 minute phone calls, I'll talk to my mom, you know, call my friend, like eating healthy, you know, drinking water, work out an hour a day, like I started to get my life back together. Getting my mental back together, my life. So I'll take care of my mind, body, and soul. You know, Brian working out, and I was going to meetings. You know, seeing therapists. I get out, you know, and I come straight here. You know, I'm right now. I'm in Houston, Texas. So I came. I got out of treatment. Um, I was in my sobriety days, 11 11, because I was sober the next day. I went in there drunk. You know, yeah. and I, my sobriety day was the next day, which was uh, 11 11, and uh, I got out December 26. And uh, I came straight to Houston. You know, my daughter out here, uh, she moved out here a few years ago with her mom. So she's 13 now. And, you know, I came out here to be closer to her and, you know, to really build on what I started on my 45-day treatment. And, you know, being four months in, man, it's it definitely a journey. I mean, you were talking earlier about it. Like, it's, you know, it's, life is still life. You yeah. know, life don't just dramatically get better, but we get better. And so... Just like how I took myself with me when I was down, now I'm taking myself with me while I'm still recovering and, you know, how I destroy people around me. Now it's the other effect. Now I'm uplifting the ones around me and they see the energy, they feel the energy and I'm putting good into the universe, you know, and I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing and talking to who I'm supposed to be talking to, you know, and, and seeing the babies and being that guy that I thought these drugs would help me be, now I'm finally being that person, you know, without it and, they're on the side of the fence, man. It's a whole different feeling, you know. And you hear it in treatment and you hear about it. It's like, oh, man, that's BS. Like, man, yeah, it ain't like that. Don't try to sell me this damn health dream. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm different, bro. Like, I get messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I go all the way. I'm on bridge, you know. Like, don't try to tell me how you this whole new life is good for you. I didn't believe it for a long time. But that I'm in it, it's like, damn. You know, I've been missing out, man. I've been missing out on life. You know, and even, I mean, like I said, life is the life. So I still get stressed out. I still get anxiety. I still get depressed. I have bad days, though, but I can, I'm able to deal with them now. I'm emotionally stronger. So I'm able to deal with them when they come. And once you deal with them and get through them, man, they say just too short. Man, it's really a blessing to be able to sit here and, and, and talk with you on a Zoom podcast and not feel like anxiety. Right. You know, I feel like I'm sounding stupid. You know, like, like, like feeling like, uh, okay, when's this going to end so that I can go yeah, get my I, fix, right? I all sweaty and, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it's, I've related to it to what, what a lot you said. I appreciate, um, I really appreciate how vulnerable you were through that whole story. Um, through your story, right? It's not just a story, it's your story. Um, a lot of what you said, like, you know, with the NFL living your dreams, we get told this fairy tale when we're kids. You get the job you want, you get, you live your dreams, everything's good. There's nothing else you could want, you know, like with the girls, it's find your prince. With the boys, it's, you know, slay that dragon. <laughs> slay that dragon, you get whatever you want. That's not how it works, unfortunately. That's not how any of it works. And we, honestly, our school system, what could we do? What could we use more, right? Could we use that algebra we learned 
or could we use better coping mechanisms? Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's starting to change too. That's starting to change. They're starting to teach emotions and emotional coping mechanisms and stuff. So that's, and that's good to see, but here's, I have a question for you that goes back to in college um, when you lost your best friend and I'm sorry I had to go through that. Um, You know, it's words don't make anything easier and it's hard to describe how we feel. But in relation to that, when you were growing up, how were you allowed to express your emotions? Were you allowed to express your emotions? Yeah, that's a good question. So, like, growing up, it was, I mean, it was like, because I was always the, on the emotional side anyway. You know, I was like the crybaby, you know, in the family. But, you know, it was, like, it was weak. Yeah. Like, man, don't cry. Like, man, like, and so I took that with everyday problems. Like, my best friend got, my best friend passed. You know, I would cry, like, clenching my teeth. You know, like, like cry, like, you know, and to me, that showed strength because I wouldn't show how hurt it was. I hurt I was. You know, and yeah. I would have, like, tears coming down without, like, really breaking down, even though inside I was dying. But to wipe my tears off, you know, it was, like, it showed strength, like, breathe through it, like, you know, like, clench my fist up, you know, like, and be a man, you know? Yeah. Well, what that did was it put those feelings in a box and they never got addressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so as I got older and I started developing in my mind and noticed, like, man, that was a real traumatic experience. It was too late. You know, that feeling is already boxed up. So now I'm conditioned to learn to, when those feelings come up, I'm either going to drink to avoid them or do drugs to avoid them. You know, and we're just not going to talk about it because it's too, it's because I haven't dealt with it before. So I don't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, yeah. so I was drinking and drugging until now that I'm in recovery. I'm learning, okay, like you said, those coping skills and mechanisms to, to be able to deal with them, you know, in a healthy way. And, you know, I just never had that, you know, especially playing football, you just never have that, that like opportunity to express yourself in the way you would like because so conditioned, you know, boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't cry. You know, you don't show your emotions. Like, oh, man, this girl cheated on me, man. So what? Get hurt. I'll get somebody else. It hurt me, though. Man, it don't matter. If it hurts you, then you soft. You don't care about that. You know, that's not that's not how I want to live my life. I don't want my life sheltered no more. And one thing with that, too, because I'm the same way. I was raised the same way. Um, I was... I was an emotional child. I would, I would cry. Um, feeling shame when you feel those emotions, right? It's not that you just, you push them back and you move away from them. It's that you get this toxic level of shame that you even felt it in the first place. How am I supposed to be a man and feel this? Like men don't feel this. Men don't, men don't, you know, they get angry. And like I was taught even happiness. You don't get too happy right? You kind of stay like a rock. And so I would, I would get these feelings and I just, I'd run away from them no matter whether it was work, whether it was drinking, whether it was 
video games, whether it was books, whether it was anything I could get away from these emotions. And I think that that's really important to acknowledge for us, for other people as well, that like your emotions are important and embracing them as the strength and pushing them away is actually the weakness. And that's, and I, I don't even know if it's necessarily weakness, but it's just not healthy. Right. I agree. I agree. Uh, I had to learn that too. You yeah. Because like, I mean, because it's, it's, it's harder Feel the anxiety, the feel the depression coming on, you know, the sadness, and deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's easy to grab one real quick, boom, up, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone for that second, you know, for that maybe a couple of hours. Yep. You know, and I can use a false confidence to give them through the day, you know. But it's harder to sit here and really take that on and feel it and go through it. Like I had experience, uh, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago. Or so that uh, it, it 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 hurt me. You know what I'm saying? It hurt me. Where it's like, damn, I gotta sit here and really go to this. I gotta feel this. You know, mm-hmm. this sucks. And I was going to some of my daughter, and she bring us some tough questions, questions that I would easily run from back then. You know, easily, no question about. I'm going home, going straight to the liquor store. And I have to answer those hard questions. You know, Dad, why why was it like this? Why did this happen? How come you said that when this? I'm like, damn. You know, my little baby, not a baby no more. And those moments that I thought that she didn't know what was going on, she knew exactly what was going on. Now she's at the age where she can express it and she needs answers. And I have to sit here sober <laughs> and feel all these feelings and answer them. And then I got to leave. Like, damn. I just went through that and think about it and sleep with it. You know what I'm saying? And, and get through it. So, but that and that was hard as hell. That was the hardest thing that I've done in a long time, you know. And that's you know, it's so yeah. I agree, man. That's it shows a lot more strength and courage to sit there and, and go through it and face them. Like to me, that's a man. Like that's real. You know what I'm saying? To me, like that's what makes you real. Like that's what's gonna build you, you know. And I because it'll break you down as it did, and then it'll build you up. That's to me. That's what it looks like. That's what real strength looks like no that's what it feels like absolutely i completely 100 percent agree with you and you know you said you're only four months into your sobriety and recovery like you're well ahead of where i was like i told you before like i'm eight years sober but i never looked into why i drank the way that i drank um i never called myself an alcoholic until this we started this podcast like i did not think that there was a connection between this hollowness that I have in my heart that I'm feeling, I'm filling with alcohol. I'm filling with, you know, um, trying to get other people's approval, trying to, uh, you know, work like all this stuff. Like that's, that's what I thought. Like, same thing you said, I have to live the life that, you know, everybody set out for me. If I'm going to be, if if I'm going to feel something, if I'm going to feel like I made it, like I, I did something, but that's, Unfortunately, we have to learn the hard way. That's not how. <laughs> that's not the case at all. Nope. We got to be happy with ourselves. We got to be how how you know you got to be. And it, it's cliche. We we go back to those cliches one day at a time. Got to be a friend to yourself because if you're not a friend nope. to yourself, it's you aren't really a friend to anybody else. Right. 
it's, 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 it's way, way easier said than done. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. it's way easier said than done. Like, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge work in progress. <laughs> you know, like, I still fall short every day. I just try to stay sober. You know, that's it. So that I don't make a bad situation worse. And I don't hurt the ones around me, mm-hmm. you know. And surely, you know, slowly but surely, things has been getting better. You know, those bad times aren't as bad no more. Yeah. You know? And as you say, too, keeping even kill the good times are, yeah, they're good, but it's not like I'm just super high off life. And, and so at, when I come down, I'm super depressed. You know, I just keep it like, okay, yeah, that was exciting. That was cool. That was great. But let's keep it going. No, mm-hmm. I still gotta stay sober. I still gotta, I still gotta grow. I still gotta develop. I still gotta manifest the things that I want, and I can't do that if I'm not at my best. You know, and being at my best is the most important thing. So that I can be there for the babies, that I can be there for moms, that I can give to my friends. You know, my community. You know, and really live this life, man. Fulfill life. That's what I. I just want to live fulfill life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Know, like, I just want to, like, just finally feel that, like, ah, I'm here, you know? Like, that's the feeling. And, and, and it's crazy to say it because I've been at high levels in my life. I still haven't felt that feeling yet. No, but I know it's coming. And so, you know, like I, like I said, it's way easier said than done. It was simple, but it's not easy. And that's... That is important. I think I think you just exposed our dirty little secret, right? Of adults. Like we're all works in progress. <laughs> it's just that, you know, we're sitting here admitting it. And I mean, there's plenty of people that admit it too, but that's all that's all we're trying to do is be better tomorrow than we were today. That's that's it, man. That's it. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Let me just be a little bit better than I was yesterday. And that's and that is that's the trick, right? Um, so before we continue with the show, let's talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey to stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finished the program, and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom.com slash B-L-E-A-V. 
And I actually started using Noom and it's like, and everything I just read is sobriety, right? Like the, the, the way that sobriety and recovery interacts with everything else in our life, I think is understated. And the things that you can take from dieting and personal training and all this other stuff can go into your sobriety and you can take things from your sobriety and put it into your, into your life. So let's hear a word from way real quick. The weather's changing again from winter to spring. And as it's happening, I'm noticing my skin's starting to dry out even more. So quench your thirsty skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with way Melrose body place cream. Fast absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it most. The hydration that lasts and prevents dryness. High quality nourishing ingredients like squalene, coconut oil, kupuasu butter, and... Experience the new way Melrose Place body cream and body cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. That's theway.com. And use code B-L-E-A-V to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at theway.com using the offer code BELIEVE. And now let's go back to the show. I appreciate your patience there, Alex. Um, we got a bunch sure. of people in the in the comments here over on youtube.com slash untapped keg. And a lot of people are, uh, they want to let you know that your story is inspiring them. So we got uh, Troy from Sober Athletic Wear. He says, congratulations and keep going. Um, our good friend Jenny says, fantastic job sharing your story. Like, it's really amazing. And then Charles, who was on last week, um, he says, Alex, keep being the new strong you. Thank you for sharing your story. So sure. I wanted to sure. relate all of that to you because it's, it is hard telling your story. The more you tell it, the easier it gets, right? Sure. But getting in front of people and telling it is not something that's easy. So... Let me let me ask you a question um, about the sobriety and being a parent. How has it kind of affected, um, like you being sober and being present and answering those questions? Have you noticed the change in how she uh, reacts when you're there? Yes. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the engagement is different. How we engage, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking, just rambling. I'm not, there was an incident where she, uh, she probably watched it like, damn, why you, you know, but there's an incident where she got in trouble, you know, and, uh, the old me would have blew up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The old me would have went off, just off emotional and, and how I felt and and what I don't want it to be like. And look, you know, we all got our, our our own vision of what I want our kids to be and how you want them to act and and go about life and the, the, the decisions they make. We got that already planned out for them, you know. Yeah. But as we know, it doesn't work like that. It's almost the opposite. And so, uh, 
But when I was talking to her, no, I didn't raise my voice. No, I'm talking in this type of tone. I'm talking right now. And we uh, we actually had a conversation. You know, we actually talked about it, and I gave her some good, knowledgeable game from a man's perspective. My mom gave us some good knowledgeable game from a mom's from a woman's perspective. And I was able to like answer questions. She was able to ask me questions. She was able to answer the questions fully. You know, I wasn't bumbling. I wasn't like rambling off or repeating myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was actually engaged in a conversation. I was present. I was loving. I was still caring. I was non-judgmental. You know, and I was still stern and 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 letting her know that certain things aren't okay. You know, and we ended up hugging and laughing and you know, give her big kisses on the cheeks afterwards. And, where she felt, okay, this happened, but it's still love, you know, as opposed to before, she knew something that wasn't as bad, and I would go off. And I'll be mad about it and, and angry about it, where I know she didn't feel the love from it, because she mentioned that. And it was nearly nothing as, as it was now, so I was actually part of myself for handling the way I did. But I was actually, I was actually, you know, relieved that I'm in a situation that I'm in now. And I'll tell you something real quick. Um, I got sober November 11th. I got out December 26, 21. And I was debating on what city to go to. I could choose what city to go to because my sober living at. You know, like, oh, you go to Miami, you know, San Diego, Arizona. Okay, all these nice places. We go to New York. I'm like, trying to go on vacation. I was still in my mind. I was not yeah. really in my treatment. But Houston with my daughter, you know, I'm close to my daughter. Like, let me still stop avoiding responsibilities. You know, still stop running. You know, and go kind of I didn't want to face it because, like, man, I've been actually going to think about me, but it didn't matter. Go face it, you know. So I came out here three weeks later, you know, her cousin, not cousin, but her uncle, her favorite uncle, the uncle that stepped up when I was on my drugs and avoiding responsibilities, not being in her life. He stepped up, you know, and made a lot of sacrifices, you know, and we called him uncle that, you know, but anyone that stepped up, he ended up getting killed. And if I would have been on where I was at, and this would have happened, she would have had nobody in a male, you know, a male side in her life that she can come to as that father said. You know, and so, you know, the higher power, man, you know, God works in mysterious ways, man. Rest in peace, Isaiah. You know, very unfortunate incident, but, you know, I was able to be there, you know, during that time, literally there, yeah. during that time. You know, in the same city, you know, right there while we got the news. And those things are what keep me sober, keep me thriving. You know, those things are what are what I know I'm doing the right thing. But I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I know I'm exactly what I'm supposed to be in my life, you know, my kid's life. And I love, you know, being able to, to, again, I can be there to give her some knowledgeable information, to love on her. You know, I can be sober. I can, I can show her a new better me and I told her like hey you don't have to forgive me for the things that I may have hurt you with in the past or said to you in the past but that's on your time my job is just to show you every day that it's different you know when you when you're ready to forgive or accept that's that's on your time you're not rushed to just say okay that's the only person no that's on your time that might take years you know but it's my job to just show you every day that's all I'm here to do so, but we, man, she called me, man, and you know, she wants to go to meetings with me, and like it's just awesome, man. It's just a big change. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's crazy, yeah, man. Like, that makes me that makes me really happy to hear. So, yeah, 
Um, one thing I've noticed, like with my mindset change, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to turn off of it, but, um, I'm kind I kind of got emotional with that, uh, last statement and I've, with me being more accepting of it, I've noticed that I've been tearing up a lot more. So like, um, I watched a movie is that new Disney movie t- turning red and, uh-huh. and there's a moment in it and it's basically what the movie's about without saying it is about generational trauma and passing down your traumas. There was a moment in it where I saw myself and I saw the mirror and, uh, you know, that was the first time in a long time that I cried during a movie. And like the hearing you say that and how happy you are like that also, it used to be my grandpa died. I didn't cry for two weeks till we we're headed to the funeral. Um, mm. same thing. One of my, um, cl- the closest uncle I was cl- like he was always there for me. He was like a grandpa to me. He passed, yeah. and I didn't cry till the day of the funeral. Like all my emotions have been delayed, but since I've stopped pushing them away and I've started to accept that they're gonna be there. Like they, they, I need to feel them. I need to uh, that it's healthy. Like it's that is something that you can't prepare for. But it's I, I'm honestly I'm enjoying it, and it, that that makes me so happy to hear how your relationship with your daughter is. And, um, it just, it brought me, it made me well up. Um, so just so, just so you know, like if you do continue to accept your emotions, eventually this may happen. So, (laughs) man, I was, man, I went to, um, I went to, um, so I work for, I work as a personal trainer, but then I'm also doing, uh, programming. So I'm learning this program that we talked about before, like managing emotions, managing relationships, you know, time management, financial literacy, you know, social media etiquette, which is huge for skills. Yeah. But, uh, but I went to this, and I had big anxiety. I was going to this meeting to kind of present my program and what I wanted to do. It's at the school uh, academy. You know, it's a partnership with them. And, um, Coming there, and I'm a little nervous and stuff, and we got to just talking and open up, and like long story short, she ended up loving it, you know. And I would end up just, it would just flowing, and you know everything was good. And I was explaining what I wanted to do with the kids, and she was like, "Oh, that's perfect for what we want to do." She's like, "Man, can you come after spring break?" And I'm like, "Yes, I can," you know. And mm-hmm. it all worked out right through my foundation. It all worked out, and I was driving home in the meeting, and. uh just started gonna start crying, man. Cause I'm like, how far have I come? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I was telling myself, like, man, when I was in treatment, once I kind of got out of my detox and started moving around, and I was getting ready to get out. I was, I was so motivated. I was like, man, like I just want to get out and just like just get this going, you know? Cause I came in with nothing. I came in like with a duffel bag and down to my socks, you know, and uh. I was like, man, I'm just gonna get out and not make up a life. And I, I, at that moment, I was like, bro, it's been four months. Like, look how far I come. I was, I was, I had that moment. Like, I was really proud of myself. You know, I just started crying. So I know what you're saying. <laughs> like, that's moment, that's I awesome. To, yeah. <laughs> I called him. I'm sitting here crying like, you know. <laughs> like, but it felt so good, man. You know, it's like, wow. You know, like, we got. You know, I just felt like. Man, like this is the feeling that I've been wanting doing drugs and drinking. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I would drink for. I would drink to feel this. 
Yeah. You know, that self-fulfillment and joy, real peace, you know, and I could never find it to the drugs and alcohol, no matter how much I did, you know, and I'm getting to that point where I'm starting to feel it, what I've been wanting to feel, man. I just started, it started coming out my face, man. I couldn't even help it. But yeah, I understand. I haven't cried on a movie yet, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was different because that, like I said, I, that usually that doesn't get me, but I was like, I'm, I'm holding my youngest who's two and a half and he's napping on me and my four-year-old's cuddled up against me and we get to the end of the movie and I guess to that point, I'm like, I just started crying a little bit because I've seen as a parent the trappings, right? No parent has kids wanting to tra- to pass on their hardships. No parent has kids wanting to put my stress onto them. But luckily, like I've been able to st- take a step back and see when it's happening. Or um, their mom has pointed out, like, "Hey, uh, you know, at one point you're you're kind of jealous of the childhood that you're giving your kids, and it's not the." It's not the things that I'm giving them because I think at this point I had more material things than they have. It's the love that they're given every single day that I am jealous of. I'm allowing them to feel their emotions and be creative. And that's, it was true. I was, I was jealous of the childhood yeah. that they have so far. So, um, Alex, as we're winding down here, What's one thing you want people to take away from your story? Yeah, man. Uh, just knowing that there's help. You know, there is help and there's resources. And uh, no matter how deep and dark that rabbit hole may be or get, can climb out and you can recover. Not unrecoverable. So, and uh, there were times that I didn't believe that I was recoverable. I didn't believe that I was like them. You know, I wasn't in that category. Either I was too bad and I wasn't going to fit in or I wasn't bad enough and I wasn't going to fit in. You know, some guys that are way worse than me, like, I'm not like him. He, he, he needs it. I don't. I only need it, really. You know, he actually needs it. I just got to be here for a little bit and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know? nope. Then there were times where it was like, you know, like, man, I, I think mine is way worse than that guy's over there. He just had a little weed. He could start weed. I don't drink coke. You know, I only drink it every day. You know, so when we get to those to those, to those, those realizations, man, that you, know, you can't recover, you can't climb out the hole, man, it's a whole different life on the side, man. You know, there's not, no judgment, no nobody judges, you know. And we're all trying to make it. You know, there's no blueprint to life. You know, we're all trying to figure it out. We all got, like, like I said before, we all got a story, you know, and mm-hmm. each one of our stories is unique, and it's our story. Nobody can take that away. So embrace it. Embrace the struggle. Embrace the story. Embrace the trials and tribulations, man. And uh, each day, be better than the last. I love that. I love that. And going sober is the most selfless, selfish decision that you can make. And make it for yourself. Like you said, you know, you got to be ready for it. So... Alex, if people want to keep up with you, where can they find you? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at A underscore green. Um, you can find me on Instagram at A underscore green 15 underscore. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Alexander D. Green Sr. Um, 
Then we have a Dream and Believe Foundation. Um, I also have Dreleep Fitness, D-R-E-L-I-E-B-E Fitness uh, on Instagram as well. So you guys can find me there, man. Uh, the foundation is coming up. I also have a, uh, a book coming out, Trojan's book coming out pretty soon called Dream and Believe. AJ Wants to Play Football. Very inspiring children's book. Oh, you guys update on the release via social media. But yeah, man, I'm here. You know, I'm here sharing stories and uh, just trying to impact any way I can. Man. You know, and be impacted. You know, I love motivational. So if you guys have any motivational books or quotes or stories or even just phone calls and messages, man, feel free to shoot them out because I need it as much as you know, anybody else do. So you know, we all in this together, man. You know, together we stand. Absolutely. That's so I th like um, I'm going to extend this now, but, uh, you know, when you come out with your books, we'd love to have your you're launching, you know, your foundations really getting going. We'd love to have you back. So um, I think I think we got some conversation left in the tank here. So absolutely. So this has been Untapped Keg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health, where we spotlight stories of hope and love. Find us on all podcast services under Untapped Keg and find us at youtube.com slash Untapped Keg where each week we put the, po the podcast up as a video. Remember to leave us a comment, let us know how we're doing, subscribe, and leave us a review please as well. You know, you can find us on Untapped Keg all social media platforms and, you know, if you if you need help, reach out. We will offer peer support. We'll help find resources that are near you. And we'll just be the ear that maybe you need. We'll be that shoulder if you need that. Um, that's the least that I can do with my time. So please feel free to reach out. Our DMs are open on all social media platforms. And we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Alex, has said, this has been wonderful. Thank you for sharing your story. I love it, man. I love it. I appreciate you having me on, man. Super dope. Absolutely. So shout out to Thank you. And uh, everybody, let's have a good week. Let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we don't make it, we tried. Have a good week, everybody. Sure. And we're off. <laughs> That's what's up. I like That was. Thank you. Like, that was awesome. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.